Are you reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a positive narrative for our future. Welcome to another episode of AI for Creatives. I am your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Camilla Sanders. Hey, Camilla. Hey. We are here at AI for Creatives to bring you the intersection of art, humanity, and technology, and explore all that's happening in the world of AI to see is there always a way to keep humanity first solutions at the forefront. And as we become more digital, more virtual, more more immersive, how can we keep humanities first? How can we stay on the horse, so to speak? And today we're going to be talking about a way forward with humans and machines, particularly as it pertains to the deal that was recently struck with the writers for the writer strike. And we're also going to be looking at some really exciting news in AI and how our most notable brands um, and platforms, online platforms, are all incorporating AI. So if you like it or not, you're going to be in this wave of using AI. So from Google to YouTube and many more, actually Google and YouTube are the same thing. So from Google to ChatGPT to Amazon and many more. We're going to be talking about what is all the buzz and hype in AI around AI news. But before we jump into all of that, let's hear what you've been up to, Camilla. Yeah. So I haven't, well, so not so much what I've been up to, but the conversations that I've been having lately, I think have been really interesting. So I've been talking to a lot of like founders and organizations in the social impact space. And you know how we always talk about how we're ha- we have the creator economy where you just, you know, can be yourself and you can make money and, you know, the jobs are changing where, you know, it's like a new job or even I was talking to my son this morning <laughs> and we were talking about, he's like, I was talking about how tech jobs, how, how jobs used to be where you stayed there for a really long time and you had to move your way, move up and like tech jobs, you just go get this education for a short period of time and you can get a job and make a bunch of money. So just how the world is shifting and the conversations that I've had were how people now are being able to be a voice in the world and make an Mm. impact and kind of discover their purpose Mm. earlier. Like I think, well, for me, it's like midlife crisis when you get around your forties, then I actually start you know, doing, (laughs) doing what I, what I need to do in the world probably. But like now it's like, you see people that are teenagers that Mm -hmm. are, they make money, but they also are making an impact or they're doing things now. And so I'm having conversations with these organizations where they're helping 
teams like Community Organized. And then we start talking about all these different tools that are at people's disposal Mm -hmm. where they don't necessarily have to go to school to do all this stuff. We have YouTube University. We have all Mm -hmm. these AI tools that are enabling people to just discover what their what their gifts are, like what they're good at, and just say, hey, I'm passionate about this cause. Let me put together these tools and just work on it and just do something. And so we're seeing people just earlier and earlier just like making an impact because of all of this technology and just the way the world is now. Yeah, I would say I have to agree. I do remember a story um, on this 14-year-old girl creating an NFT collection to help save, I believe it was the beluga whales and millions of dollars was successfully successfully raised for this cause. And here's a teenager using blockchain technology, you know, another emerging tech tool to support something she was super passionate about. And I love that these technologies can enable and empower more individuals wherever you are in the world. And it's so, so important for as many people as possible to learn about the tools, understand and discover how they can get access to the tools so they can participate in this new digital economy. So I love that. I think that is super exciting and having that conversation you know, with your son, you know, about the realities of how the future of work is evolving as well. And what I've seen within the Web3 space is a lot more fractional roles. So individuals have their own company, but they're a CFO, a fractional CFO for another company and a fractional CBO for another company. And Everyone is working together in this very kumbaya spirit. So that's also been really interesting as relates to how these technologies and the ability to you know, work remotely can allow individuals to dibble and dabble in different areas of interest. And as relates to what I've been up to, just coming off of a big stint of speaking and then moving into another stint of speaking, I'll be um, heading to Dubai to speak at the Guy Techs. Um, event there. And I am really, really stoked about the conversations I'll be having around AI and retail, AI and fashion, Web3 as well, Web3 and fashion. And, you know, in general, just sitting next to some really incredible experts and thought leaders in this space to bring more awareness on how these technologies are drastically changing the future. And so really excited about that, continuing to work on the House of Nova and my fashion collection. Um, really looking forward to when that's ready for its debut. Um, in the meantime, continuing to collaborate with other organizations around exhibiting my fashion as art and different means, both digitally and physically. So that's what I've been up to. And for those of us that are joining us for the first time, welcome. If you like what you hear, please download, subscribe, share with a friend, a family member. We are so passionate about bringing this information forward. And today, again, we're going to be talking about not only some exciting updates in AI around AI news, but then also starting with the conversation around a path forward and a very interesting use case. If you've been following the news, it was really hard to miss the story 
about the writer's strike, which started in May of 2023, and it just concluded September 27th, depending on when you're listening to this. And I love great stories, and I have a a family of storytellers, writers, uh, aspiring film directors in my home as it relates to my children. And so we constantly do deep dives into stories that we love and stories that didn't really hit it, you know, didn't really make the cut um, in terms of what we're watching and consuming. And so we noticed the dip in quality of content that was online due to the writer's strike. And then also as the editor-in-chief of Rain Magazine, we're always scouting new talent. So it was just a very quiet time in the film and TV space. So we really couldn't, you know, scour for this new talent and interview them because out of respect, wanted to come together, you know, as creators to support them until there was agreement that was made. So the big news is that there was a deal that was made between the studios and the writers. And part of the headlines that kept circulating was that AI was a big reason as to why the strike was happening. And if you go back to the early articles about the writer's strike in May, the one of the biggest points of, of the negotiations was the fact that they weren't getting paid enough. And with streaming, the demand only increased in terms of what they were expected to do and what they were expected to you know, produce in terms of content, and the pay continuously kept getting less and less. And I believe it was about 50% of writers were getting the minimum pay that they should have been paid. And then this, this pay scale has been decreasing by, I think, a total of 4% over the last decade. Decreasing, not increasing. So output increasing, while pay decreasing. So these were some of the main points of negotiation. And then the AI conversation was placed in this, you know, in these discussions, because with the addition of generative AI, you now can produce more content faster. So now here, these writers are saying, whoa, wait a minute. Now you want me to produce more and you're continuously paying me less? So we want a say in how these tools are going to be used, how we're going to be fairly compensated by incorporating these tools, and we want the flexibility of choosing to use the tools or not. So I am just really excited about how you know our creator community was able to come together, say, uh-uh, enough is enough. We want to be valued for our skill set. And just because we have these incredible tools that can help us scale does not give you the right to treat us with less value, does not give you the right to tell us we want more and we're going to continue to pay you less. And we want to say in how the tools are going to shape our future and our content. What are your thoughts, Camilla? Yeah. And I think that's such a great example and such a timely example too, because you know we always talk about how creatives are going to work together with AI, well, that's a prime example. It's not that they're saying, hey, don't use AI. They're saying, this is how we want to use it. This is how it should be used. And they're like, you know, we can't be replaced. <laughs> like a creative can't be replaced, you know? That's right. And you had mentioned, you know, something about copyright too, right? Like people have rights to their own copy, <laughs> the things that they create. And so 
people standing up for that and negotiating those terms, I think that's very powerful and sets a really good example. Yeah. And speaking of copyrights, and we've touched on this in past episodes as well, where an AI authored document or image on its own cannot uh, hold a copyright. So an AI cannot hold a copyright. It does need that human engagement. It does need that human authorship. And so by incorporating the writers in the process of creating the content, so it can be started by AI, but then the writers have to come in. You know, the writers can use the generative AI to come up with ideas and content, but they also have to continuously develop the story, edit the story, and add their own personal touches on the story for for the end result to actually be able to carry a copyright. And so owning that IP is super important to the studios. And it's great that they recognize the value that the human involvement and the human engagement is bringing with the tool, right? So again, if you're looking at a train, for example, could you create technology for a train to carry you from point A and point B without a human conductor? We're probably at that point where we could, but what if the technology fails? You still are going to want someone on board that can troubleshoot and guide the train. And so, but where we are right now is if, if we're training the tool, like we're training a child or we're, you know, training a pet, then we need to be involved in that process to get the best end result, you know? And I think that is the whole point here where the writers are making sure that they're seen and heard as the value add in this creative process. So that is such a powerful use case that I'm sure many, many other workplaces are going to see brought in as employees or in our creative industries, the creatives decide where they want to fit into this new paradigm and how they're going to benefit from the scalability that's now present due to the technology. Yeah, that makes me think of the example of a pilot, right? (laughs) When a pilot is flying like autopilot, like that's great, but you always are going to have, you know, when it gets into a situation that you can't necessarily navigate with the autopilot, you know, maybe it's the AI assisting the pilot, or maybe it's, it's the pilot coming on. And I'm sorry, I bring everything back to the movies, but the really good movies are like, turn the autopilot off. I've got this. (laughs) And and they come up with like a solution that no data could even predict. It's like instinct to actually do things. And that's kind of why we need people in that driver's seat. And speaking of, you know, owning IP, you know, I was thinking back to our episode with Fireflies and also the episode where we talked about the watch. Um, And basically this watch, you know, you take it wherever you go and it collects data and gives you suggestions. And then we, you know, talk to an actual company that is doing something similar. And he's talking about the innovation of, you know, now they collect this data in meetings and the AI analyzes it. And we're taking, they're going to take that out of the meetings and the AI, you can use it in meetings that you have in person. And I started thinking about that and I'm like, wow, so that's really interesting. And we always go back and forth, like, is the market really ready 
for something like this where this device is like collecting all this information about you and what's going to happen to the people that make this device and control that, what's going to happen with your data, right? And so that's always the conversation. But then, you know, on the podcast, we're very visionary, very future thinking. And so taking it back to this vision that a lot of us have in this world of, you know, blockchain and crypto and NFTs, AI, all that, where we are self-sovereign, we own our own data. And if we did own our own data, then who's to say that maybe this is some a technology that we would be interested in owning? Because, hey, if I have a watch that collects my data, but it's my data to own and I can select how I share it. And if I'm sharing it with a company that wants to have some information on me and they're paying me a certain amount a month, then I think people might be ready or like opt into that. So I think, you know, it's always about like, what is the right time to market? And there's so many things. That, so I can't wait to get into some of the other things like this stuff is here now. Like this technology stuff is here now. It's just like, when are they going to release this to us? Yeah. And and I think it's so important as you were just talking about ownership and data and privacy, where in the Web 2 era, we didn't have a say in what was collected from us and how that was monetized, how it was used. And we see some advancements, you know, we see now the the pop-up that comes up on almost every website <laughs> that you can opt in or, you know, you could move forward by exploring that site or not, but choose what cookies you want to be tracking you and all of that. But I, I do see the power with combining these technologies, such as blockchain, for example, with you know, AI-powered platforms and giving the provenance to the consumer as relates to their data and allowing them to capitalize on choosing to share that information and participating in the dialogue of, of how the information is being used and where it's going and who has access to it and if they choose to, to be compensated for that. And that's another way how you know, humans can coexist with the technology in a way that benefits them. And it's not just the few entities that are receiving the benefit from these really great technologies. So I think, you know, the blockchain conversation is something that has come up a lot in the last um, couple of months, uh, and especially in the realm of AI as, as it relates to protecting works for artists. And, you know, educating our community, our creative community, our entrepreneurial community on how you can use blockchain technology to protect your digital assets and to, uh, you know, provide those gates to the data that's yours, that's rightfully yours. And so I think this is a great time to segue into some of the news updates from some of these big technology players and platforms that have become such a commonplace for us in our lives. You know, Google, YouTube, Microsoft, Outlook, TikTok, Amazon, and the list goes on and on. And, you know, some of us spend more time on, on some of these platforms versus others, but we're going to blink 
And they're all going to be, if you like it or not, introducing you to AI. (laughs) And some of them have already been without us knowing, but now we're looking at generative AI and these large language models being incorporated more and more into our into our everyday activities not not just in the background but allowing us the opportunity to touch and play with the AI directly as it relates to productivity and creativity and workflow so do you want to jump into one of the news items that you're excited about or do you want me to first Sure, go go on. Well, we were talking about. <laughs> so I have I have really been trying to be more active on social media, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. YouTube, right? So I think we came across that YouTube is using AI now, which I think is interesting because we have seen there's so many AI tools out there. Like we've talked about so many tools on just on this podcast alone, and there's probably a million more that we can name. And so there's AI tools that are from probably smaller companies, obviously, than YouTube, that you can couple with YouTube to help you come up with suggestions as far as like hashtags or copy that you want to write or even video suggestions. So it's interesting to me that YouTube is like, hey, you know, we have the resources Kind of like, why should this other company, you know, be doing stuff? We can put this, bring this in house, and start to build these resources for creators. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about that. Like that's one thing that I'm excited about. Yeah. Well, I I'm just going to read something from their blog that was published just about a week ago, and this was uh, September 21st, and. and And it says, and today at Made on YouTube, we're unveiling a suite of products and features that will enable people to push the bounds of creative expression yet again by making the difficult things simple and the impossible dreams possible. And so some of the updates that they're making to enhance creativity and to continue to allow anyone the ability to be a creator on YouTube, which is something that they're really pushing. They want to empower as many people as possible to create on YouTube. They have three major updates. Um, One is called Dream Screen, which allows AI-generated images or videos to be created to be used as backgrounds for YouTube shorts. And and, And that technology is being powered by NVIDIA, which is one of the biggest chip makers and biggest platforms that's advancing the video and and animation space within generative AI. The other update is called YouTube Create, which is competing with CapCut. So if you use TikTok, you know, a lot of TikTok creators use CapCut as a way to editing their videos and enhancing their video production. Well, now YouTube is introducing YouTube Create to go head to head with this, where it is a new editing and production app specifically for mobile creators. So again, I'm going to challenge TikTokers to tell us which they prefer. Super curious on what you think about that. And last but definitely not least, probably good of what's going to be used the most is the AI insights. And if you've heard of vidIQ, this will remind you of that. It's a tool that's going to guide creators on how to make their next video and what are the best keywords? What are the best ideas? Can you give me an outline? 
you know, for a video? What are, what are my, what is my audience watching right now? So again, using these large language models to have conversations with the technology to deliver output that is going to be used in the creation of these videos. So that's YouTube. That's what's happening. I'm excited. Let's see what, (laughs) again, it's really decentralizing creativity in a sense. And if you've ever felt a barrier of entry around YouTube, now you can move a little faster with the guidance of generative AI. So that's YouTube. So I am going to use that as, as a lead into chat GPT, because a lot of what, you know, we've been hearing around large language models started with chat GPT. And there was an earlier episode that we had recorded that was about the future of ChatGPT and what would ChatGPT 5 look like? And that led to a conversation around the senses being incorporated into generative AI. And and we were saying, hmm, I wonder what that's going to look like. And now within, I believe, our last episode, we were sharing information how AI is being taught to smell. Well, listen to this. ChatGPT can now see, hear, and speak. <laughs> okay. And so we were having this conversation early, early. I think it was maybe February or March, March or April. Anyway, and we were like, oh, by the end of the year, this is what's being predicted that we're going to be, you know, seeing more of our traditional senses being incorporated in generative AI. And here we go. So I'm just going to read something from the OpenAI page regarding this. We ChatGPT and OpenAI, we are beginning to roll out new voice and image capabilities in ChatGPT. They offer a new, more intuitive type of interface by allowing you to have a voice conversation or show ChatGPT what you're talking about. And so some of the use cases, for example, is taking a picture of the sky and asking your mobile device or whatever you're using to take that picture, well, why are the clouds like this? What's causing the sky to look like this? And so now you can engage with the large language model with imagery and conversation combined, you know, using your mobile devices. And then with the voice capability, you can hear the language model talk back to you with whatever you're asking it, or if you're asking it to tell you a story or give you a recipe where you can now literally upload an image of an item and ask it to give you the recipe of that item. And instead of sharing it in text form, it can now speak it to you. And so I don't know if I'm quite ready for that, um, but I think that is pretty powerful. And I know, especially as, you know, as a writer and I do a lot of research, I'm so used to consuming audio content. For me, that ability to hear the information being read back to me in a natural way is going to be game changing. Yeah. And it's almost like you said game changing and made me think of gamification because like chat GPT for the tone and the voice, it really is customized to you. So like, if you think of like an Alexa, it's very static, you know, not that that's not going to change in the future because I'm sure it is. Um, but but ChatGPT, they've kind of mastered like things being very uh, creative and connected to you personally and being personalized. So it's almost fun to go back and forth with AI and have a conversation. So 
I think that this would be, you know, something really interesting to people. And then also, you know, we were just talking about YouTube and there's so many applications where you want to know like how to do something. Like sometimes, you know, with my car, I'll take, I'll like say, oh, this is going wrong with it. And I'll take a picture of the what's on the dash or, you know, whatever else. And if I can, instead of Googling this, if I can just put it in chat GPT and it's going to say, hey, here you go. Here's how to fix this. You know, here's a video. Uh Like those type of applications, I'm like, wow, well, I wouldn't go to go to YouTube anymore. Like there's certain things that you just want to, you need to see how to do it, not read it. And so like those type of applications, that's like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> let the let the race begin. I'm excited. I'm excited about all of these technologies. I mean, ChatGPT, OpenAI for sure, but just like it's now that YouTube is integrating so much AI, like they're going to be the next ones that are like, "Hey, well, yeah, you can search that way on here too." Yeah, well, you know, speaking of searches, we know how much Alexa is used for searching. We don't use it so much in our house for that. We just mainly use it to play music. Now, again, all of these big companies are getting into the game. They've been working on integrating these technologies for a while. Well, get ready for a more spicy Alexa. (laughs) So what Amazon is working on is a new Alexa that's going to have a bigger personality, a more opinionated personality in which you can adjust the tone of Alexa and then get this. It's not only going to be more conversational, it's going to be able to detect body language and eye gestures. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> so that's coming to a home near you. That's interesting because we say so much by our body language and the expressions on our face. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting. So if you you know, you can be kind of anywhere talking to Alexa. So it's going to be interesting how it interprets it. If you're not like facing it, like, do you have to install multiple cameras? Like I have so many questions. Well, you know, I, to my knowledge, our Alexa is the, you know, again, just mainly the music player. There's no cameras embedded, but we do have the Echo Spot, which I believe is that new alarm clock that you can have in your bedroom that also has the video capabilities and the camera. And, you know, they are testing new new releases, you know, new devices that incorporate the camera technology to kind of see what that acceptance is going to be. But again, where it can detect your eye gestures and your body language, I'm not quite there yet. Like I'm drawing lines for me, like in the sand where I'm very clear what I'm excited about and very clear what I'm cautious about. And this goes back to the whole data and security and privacy. But this is, you know, nothing short of having that robot in your home you know, with the arms and the legs, this is just a component of the robot, right? Let's just say the the head of the robot. But what's going to come shortly thereafter is the moving, talking, walking machine in your home that is picking up these body movements and that is reading your eye gestures and is having this conversation back to you where you're saying, go in the refrigerator and tell me if we still have milk in the refrigerator. And it's acting as your personal assistant, but it's just made of different... (laughs) 
<laughs> material um, that's in your home. So again, another example of where we're going, how it is going to come into our lives maybe sooner than we even think with the everyday tools that a lot of us are already using. I want to also just address how we're going to, I use Excel. I'm still, I know we have a whole generation that's been trained on the G Suite set of tools, Google Docs and, and all of that. I was trained on your Microsoft tools, the PowerPoints, Excels, and and all those Word, of course. Um, but now we're going to see laptops, laptops and computers embedded with the generative AI technology. So you can have these natural conversations as you are creating a Word doc, as you are creating an Excel worksheet, uh, creating a PowerPoint presentation. We're already seeing you know, how it's being used in Photoshop and, you know, in the Adobe suite with Adobe Firefly. But imagine putting together an Excel spreadsheet and you can do some, you know, uh, charting and things like that in ChatGPT. But if you are already familiar with Excel and you can carry that powerful technology into your world of Excel, whoa, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's going to be a game changer because a lot of people, like I know Excel, but a lot of people complain about like, how do I do this? I know you can do it, but how do you do it? So being able to do that in Excel, I think will be a game changer. And so we're talking about all these features, but a common thing that in marketing is that you don't talk about, oh, it has this, you know, advanced technology. You don't really talk about the tech, you talk about the benefit. Mm -hmm. So if we're saying, oh, this is customized to what you want to do, it's going to help you to easier, easier figure out formulas. Like we're not saying there's a camera on board. It's going to collect all your data. Like we're not, or it's tracking what you're doing on the internet. Like that's, we don't talk about the technology. We talk about the benefits. So my question is like, are people really going to be aware of what technology and what it's doing? Or is it kind of blindly like what you said before? Oh, we did an update. Just, you know, sign here that you agree. And everyone's like, okay, and this is great. It's customized to me, but they're not understanding the technology that goes behind it. Well, I think, you know, a lot of the platforms are doing beta rollouts where they're able to see what the reaction is, get that feedback, make adjustments, create the right messaging that will allow their community to feel the most comfortable as it's released uh, on a large scale. But again, you know, I, I'm sure most people when they're on Google, they've seen the option to enable the AI feature on Google now. And you're just like, oh, even just out of curiosity, let me click that. And if you don't manually turn it off, you're going to be using it and, and may not even think about it because you're so accustomed to just going on and doing a search. Well, if you're buying a new laptop, you're buying a new Surface computer and there's a pop-up, oh, you know, hope you enjoy the new upgraded features of Excel. We can help guide you in creating your new worksheet or or we can guide you in creating a new PowerPoint. Most people are not going to say, nope, I don't want the extra help. Nope, I don't want to do this faster and easier. <laughs> and so I feel that's how a lot of the adoption is going to happen is through these trusted platforms already that have a relationship with us, that have a large community. They're testing, you know, doing these beta tests, getting the feedback necessary, 
you know, fixing all the, or at least some of the bugs um, initially, and then rolling it out. And I think that's how the adoption is going to happen. But then they're partnering with these really cutting edge, you know, technologists that are creating these new ways of using the tool, the new use cases, and they're and they're grabbing those technologies and just banking them in to what already exists. And voila, there you go, 100 million users, 300 million users overnight, if that was the existing community. And so we saw what can happen with a new tool out of the gate as relates to something that's bringing us more productivity. Now, bake something like that into a tool we've been already used to using that we trust, and it amplifies that 10x, 100x, 1,000x. And so I, I feel that it's going to be a smoother transition than most people think about, but it's going to happen through the platforms that they have already built a relationship with. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So so basically, you will be using this, not you, but you know everyone will be using this because if you use YouTube, if you use Google, if you use any of these platforms, like it's going to be kind of baked in. So right, right. I mean, um, we were, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to add on to that. We were talking about Microsoft, but similarly with Google, you know, it's not just a search engine; it's their it's their G Suite, it's their Gmail. You know, helping you write emails, helping you search your emails for relevant content. You know, it's asking it for research like you normally do and and being able to tap into that search engine. Of course, YouTube is a part of the under the bigger umbrella, you know, of the Google world. And so again, it's it's happening so much faster I think than most people realize. I was just having a conversation recently with a colleague who's not in the emerging tech space and they're like, "Yeah, I think, you know, this is going to come to fruition in about a decade or so." And I'm like, mm, I think it's going to happen a lot sooner. And this is why. <laughs> yeah, it's here. It's here now. Like they just announced it. <laughs> it's here. And this is why. And, and this is why we're having these conversations and doing this podcast so we can bring the information forward. And, and so individuals can say, oh, I didn't know that. Let me look into that. That's really re- relevant to me personally, or that can be really powerful for me as a creator or as an artist, or as an entrepreneur, or as a manager, or a director, let me look into that as well. And so I think the key here is just awareness, so everyone can participate, everyone can play at recess, right? Everyone can have their own little, like, uh, carved out area in the sandbox. And it's exciting. If it's, it's exciting, if it's, you know, used for those intentions, if we're going back to the beginning of our conversation, where our livelihood is kept at the forefront where we are staying on the horse as the jockey, where we're leading the ship, we're, we're the captains of the ship, right? The conductors on the train and not just letting it blindly, you know, lead us. And so by first being aware and two participating, like just touch the tools, get used to them, ask those questions, ask the hard questions. You know, something that OpenAI is doing is, They're aggregating a team called the Red Team that they're identifying experts and thought leaders in a variety of industries to come together and tinker to discover solutions that are powered by these technologies, you know, to really big problems that exist in the world. 
And that's how I think problems are best solved. When you bring in the different minds and perspectives and you allow the engineers to talk to the artists and you allow the artists to talk to the sociologists and the anthropologists and they're talking to the psychologists and the scientists, I think, bring these voices together. So we are, again, keeping us in the center, keeping us you know, as the priority. When I say us, I say humanity and what defines us as being human. And because if the technology can't help us in the long run, if it's only going to hurt us in the long run, then what is the, why are we doing this? Like, what is the point? And so that's my vision. That's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking forward to is how do we continue to advance forward in a positive direction, um, bringing different voices together, creating more awareness, tinkering and playing more. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you said it. Like, how do we continue to advance? Well, we do it together. We do it, um, you know, with a, I want to say, cross-sector approach of just anyone, anyone from any age, any ethnicity, any industry, like we all kind of come together and help to solve these issues and move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a great place to pause for this week and this episode and, you know, thank our listeners and our audience. And of course, thank my beautiful Camilla Sanders, co-host Camilla, but really, really grateful for all of our listeners that continue to come back and listen to us and participate in this conversation. We love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to drop us a line. You can reach out to us via the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network, and that's Kangaroo with the U. And then if you found any value today, please share the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We actually did a live show last week. We streamed it live on LinkedIn. That was a ton of fun. We'll be doing more of those in the future. So yeah, subscribe, stay in touch, stay up to date, share, and we always love great reviews. So, you know, give us that five stars. (laughs) Continue to push us up on Apple. But we really appreciate you. And again, I'm Nova Lorraine, one of your hosts here on AI for Creatives. And it is brought to you exclusively on the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. That's it for now. Ciao. Bye.